Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Thank you so much for your giving. How many of you are ready for the word this morning? Anybody ready for the word? Amen. We're excited. We've been in a book series on the book of Ephesians. So much good content in the book of Ephesians. My favorite book of the Bible because it tells me who I am in Christ and everything he's made available to me. Uh, And so we're excited about today's message. And a lot of times here at church uh, and all churches, we're, we're guilty a lot of times of showing honor uh, when we have guests that get on a plane or drive a, a far distance to come and share a message from God's word with us. We show them honor and appreciation, which we should do. Uh, but sometimes we take for granted people that are already here. Uh, one of our own uh, is going to be sharing the word with us today. We're, we're extremely excited uh, that Pastor Charles Kennison is going to be sharing part four of this series today. Uh, And so what I want us to do, I want us to stand and I want us to give one of our very own Pastor Charles Kennison a big God bless you as he comes to share God's word with us. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord today. It's always an honor to share God's word, an honor to be in the house of God. I thank you for being here. I thank those who are watching online. And uh, I want to thank Pastor Chad and Pastor Karen for the opportunity to bring you the word today. In the, uh, um, in the book of Ephesians, we, we do, we learn who we are in Christ and who Christ is in us and that we are one and that they they cannot be separated. So um, we need to act like it. And we're going to learn more about that today as we uh, get into this. Uh, The fourth in the series, Pastor Chad's done a a great job of of laying out the foundation through chapter one, and we're going to make it to chapter two today. So uh, um, it'll be good. I want you to take a moment and just recognize whose presence you're in today. And I'm not talking about uh, me, except for the fact that I carry the Holy Spirit within me. I'm talking about the creator of all things. You know, I I can't imagine a creation without a creator. Just let that sink in. Understand whose presence that you're in today. We come and gather together to worship him the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the creator of all. So we come forth today. That's right. Give him praise. We praise him today. I just want to uh, go to the Lord in prayer and and, uh, speak a blessing over you as we begin. Father, we thank you for this time together. Lord, we ask that uh, every heart would be open and attentive to your word, that it will be fertile soil, that every seed sown will bring forth an abundant harvest of fruit that will remain into eternity. Uh, Thank you for this word that you've given us, Lord, this word that changes us. And I just speak a blessing over your people today, over everyone under the sound of my voice. Be free from distraction. Be free from fear. Be free from anything that would hinder or bind in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. We're going to read 1 through 10. It says, And you he made alive 
who were dead in trespasses and sins, which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Hallelujah. The word of God, so rich, so powerful. When we read the word, the word reads us. It's alive, it's living. We commune with God when we read his word. We know that the word says that Jesus is the word. So when we partake of the word, we partake with Jesus in him. Jesus says in the scriptures, he says, if I remain in you, abide in you, my words abide in you and you abide in me, you shall have whatever you ask. Think about that as we go into the word. Let this word change us. For a little bit of background, if you weren't here for the first three in this series, um, the pastor laid out the, uh, the foundation for the book of Ephesians. I'm going to give you just a little bit of background as far as um, the book goes. This book was written, scholars believe, somewhere around AD 64. Now Christ was crucified about AD 33, so you know, roughly 30 years later. 30 years after the crucifixion of Jesus, 30 years after the birth of the church, 30 years after the promised Holy Spirit, they've been walking with God for 30 years in the church organization. They've learned how to operate in the Holy Spirit. They've learned how to grow. They've learned they're not a fledgling church anymore. They're coming into maturity. They're at a point where they're seeing the miraculous, where persecution has come. People have been martyred, but they are still standing for their faith. And Paul writes this from prison. He was in prison for preaching the gospel. One of the uh, prison epistles, one of the letters he wrote from prison to encourage the saints, not to correct wrong, but to tell them who they are in Christ and who Christ is in them, to build them up, to exhort them, to let them know that they need to carry on in the faith and how to do it, giving them the strength to do so. You have the champion of the faith. He is in prison and you're hearing this word from him saying, do not grow weary, but continue the fight. Uh, that's where we find this, you know, some, that's where we find this letter being written in that, in that kind of atmosphere. And, you know, some scholars call this the, uh, the book to the glorious church, because if you implement what's in the book of Ephesians, you will be a glorious church. You will be a church of power. You will be a church of great influence. When I say influence, I mean, you change those around you. You set the atmosphere. You are not a follower, but you are a leader in the world. And that is what we, as Christians, as Christ-like ones, are meant to be. The good news about that is that uh, the, this, 
the book of Ephesians, it was sent to the letter, was sent to the church at Ephesus. But it was one of many that it was sent to. It was a, a letter to be circulated among the churches. Perhaps the church at Ephesus was the first to receive the letter and therefore it bears the name. But the truth of the matter is that we as a church can accept this as the letter to the church at Bethesda, the letter to the church at White Sulphur Springs, the letter to the church at West Virginia, Virginia, the United States of America. We can accept this and walk as a glorious church. We can be the ones to carry this glorious gospel because that is what we are mandated to do. Let's take a look here. Um, we're going to break it down into some smaller sections to, uh, to look at the word today. We've got um, the first one here is going to be verse 1 through 3. It says, And he made you alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. You know, if you take away those first four words and you he made alive, this would be a really bad sermon. I'm just telling you. Because <laughs> what it says in a nutshell is you were born a sinner and you're nothing special. You were born a sinner and you're nothing special. Because we were all born into sin. We were born into sin after the likeness of Adam, after the likeness of fallen man, separated from God. Our nature was a sin nature. We were born with that. You didn't have to sin to become a sinner. You were a sinner and that's why you sin. You see the difference? It's who you were. It's as we are born, that's who we are. That's who we are. That's why we must be born again. That's the only way. And don't get hard on Adam and Eve and act like you wouldn't have messed it up. I've watched you. <laughs> Maybe not you specifically, but humanity. I've watched you. I've watched me. We would have messed it up. If we, if it wasn't, if Adam and Eve were perfect, they they got the job done. They didn't mess it up. And it would have made it all the way down to you. You would have blown it. I would have blown it. We would have broke the commandments. And then we would have needed Jesus to come just for us. And he would have. And he would have. We see here in this scripture that um, that is the, the nature and character of fallen man. So who is this letter written to? It's written to the saints. So we know it's written to those who are born again. It's written to those, as uh, Pastor Chad um, has uh, explained, that uh, there's only two categories of humans on this earth. Those are in Adam and those who are in Christ. So either you are a sinner or you are a saint. You can't walk with one foot, foot shod with preparation of gospel of peace and the other one uh, as a son of disobedience. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. You have to be all in or all out. Do we have any saints in the house? Any born again ones? Anyone who are thankful for the blood of Jesus, for the cross of Calvary? That's what we're talking about today. It says, and you he made alive, meaning at once you were dead. All of us 
we all came the same way. There, there's a saying, you know, that the, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. You know what that means? It means we all come the same. There is no big I and little you. There is no room for pride. We all had to bow our knee before the Lord of heaven and be saved. When it says we all followed the course of this world, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who works in the sons of disobedience, there should never be any question about why bad stuff happens. Well, why'd that happen? Well, what's it say? You all are all, we all were all following Satan. Would it surprise you if you saw a headline that said, Satan commits mass murder, Satan lies, Satan steals, Satan destroys. Would that surprise you? Would you be shocked? No, it's his nature. It's his character. He is disobedient. He is the father of lies. So why are you shocked when his children, his followers do that? They're just following the nature of their master. And they are portraying him very, very well. Are we portraying our master as well as they're portraying theirs? Are we showing forth the nature and character of God the way they're showing forth the nature and character of Satan? This takes away all pride. We were all born the same way. We were all born into sin. We were all born that way. That's why we all need a savior. Now we can't look down on anyone for walking on the wrong side of the street. They don't know. They're still walking the way they were born. They're walking in the flesh. They're pursuing those desires because they don't, either because they don't know or they're willfully obedient. But either way, we are called to reach them and we can't look down on them because we're not any better than them. We just need to bring them over to our side of the street so that they end up where they want to go and not where they don't want to go. Listen, they can live in victory in this life. We can live in victory in this life or we can choose death. And that's not the only eternal death. You can choose death right here on earth. You can choose to follow the devil and he will kill his own. He does not care. Just because you're serving him doesn't mean he's gonna treat you well. He will kill you. There's a story in the Bible about um, Elijah and Elisha. And uh, Elijah was the prophet and Elisha was gonna be the next prophet in that same um, succession. So as, as, he was, as Elijah was getting ready to leave to be taken up into heaven, Elisha asked for a double portion. He said, you can have it if you see me when I go to heaven. So he's there, the day happens, he goes to heaven, his mantle falls, which is a piece of uh, clothing. Elisha picks it up and he takes it to the river and he strikes the river with it. And he says, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And the river parts and he walks through on dry ground. But the question today I want to pose to you is not where is the Lord God of Elijah, but where are the Elijahs of the Lord God? Where are the Elijahs? 
who are willing to walk up to the river and strike it to see the power of God come to pass. That's the way we need to be representing our father. That's the nature and character that's within us. Don't think that he can't do it. Don't think that he can't use you. I recently heard a story about um, an evangelist in uh, South America. He had been down there and he went to a village and the miraculous happened there. There was a handful of people saved and uh, this has been 30 years ago. He runs into somebody who was there and says, do you remember that? And he's like, I, I, don't, I don't know, I don't remember. Well, he explained it to him and said, oh yes, I definitely remember that. <laughs> he said, well, that was 30 years ago. And he said, when you left, this handful that got saved, we went out and we started evangelizing and we started getting people saved. And he said, now 30 years later, there's no one left to save. And the evangelist said, that is a legitimate problem because the ones who were just born again, they need somewhere to go and sow seed. They need to go and bring in the harvest. They need somebody to tell about Jesus who doesn't know him. Now listen, if a village over the course of 30 years, everyone in that village can be saved. Don't tell me that God can't do it for White Sulphur Springs. Don't tell me God can't do it for West Virginia, for Virginia, for the United States of America. God can do it. He just needs willing vessels. Willing and obedient. Save people, save people. We've got to get them saved. We know there's only two types of people, those who are in Adam and those who are in Christ. We're going to start now with verse 4. We're going to go with 4 through 7. It says, but God, who is rich in mercy. How many people are thankful for that but God right there? You know, those but God moments in your life. You were walking with Satan, but God. And you turned and went in the other direction. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Now think of this, rich in mercy and because of his great love. Even when we were his enemies, we were dead in sin, separated from God. That's when he loved us so much that he died for us. Talk about love your enemies. How about going to the cross for them? How about sacrificing your life for theirs? cutting off your generation so they can become your generation. That's what he did. That is true love. That is the extent of it. He chose the cross. We know that no one took his life, but he willingly gave it. But we can't forget that. We can't belittle that because without Christ, we are nothing. We are seated together in Christ Jesus. In scripture, there are different places where it says Christ Jesus and different places where it says Jesus Christ. When it says Jesus Christ, a lot of times it's emphasizing his humanity because it's emphasizing that he's Jesus Christ. And then there's other places where it says Christ Jesus, where it's emphasizing his deity, his anointing, saying that he is the anointed or the anointing. 
So it's saying Christ Jesus. In this section of scripture, it says that we are together, seated together, raised together with Christ Jesus, with the anointed, with the anointing. You are the anointed. You carry the anointing. It is yours. It is yours to carry because you are Christ's. You two are together. We must identify with Christ. How many know that identity is under attack today? The devil doesn't want you to even speak about identifying or identity. But we identify as Christians. I identify as saved. I am saved. I identify with Christ. If you don't identify with him, you're not saved. It's all about identifying with him and he with you. That's the whole picture of baptism. When you go down into the water, you die in Christ. Now, how does that? That's because he died on your cross. He took your place. Otherwise, that's you hanging there. So you have to enter into him to accept that death. Yes, you died for me. And then when you come back up, it says that you are a new creation, brand new, never existed before. You are one with Christ, workmanship of God, which we'll look at that in a minute. But you are brand new, uh, never before existed. No sin, no shame, no, this is the way we wish we were born to start with. This is the way some people think they're born to start with and they think there's some kind of scale system where you're gonna get to heaven and oh, does your good outweigh your bad? That is not biblical at all. There's one way to heaven and that's through Jesus Christ. So we must identify with Jesus, identify with his death and identify with his life. Scripture says he became sin on the cross. He became sin. See, we were so one, our oneness with sin, that we were sin. That's what we were. That's who we were. Christ became sin. Why? So you could become the righteousness of God. Now, if you are the righteousness of God, have right standing with God, we're talking about God. Remember creator God? We are his righteousness. Now, if we're his righteousness, which we are, if we're born again, then what could hinder our prayers? What could stop us from receiving what we ask for when we go to him boldly at the throne of grace? What could hinder us? What could stand in our way? What would make us think that we're inferior or not able to get the job done? We are the very righteousness of God himself. And if he didn't hold back in making us his righteousness, what makes you think he would hold anything else? He said, I've given you all things pertaining to life and godliness. He who did not withhold his only son, how much more will he give you all things? How much more will he give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Jesus took the cross. Therefore, we must do the same. He is our example. We take the cross and we follow him. Listen, when you choose the cross, you choose the Christ. When you refuse the cross, you refuse the Christ. We must choose. It's a choice we make and it's a choice we take with us because every day it says, pick up your cross daily and follow after me, follow after Jesus. We have to make the decision and then manage that decision for the rest of our days. I have a quote here that's attributed to uh, A.W. Tozer. This is powerful. 
says, you knew one thing about a man who was carrying a cross out of the city. You knew one thing about a man who was carrying a cross out of the city. He's not coming back. He's not coming back. When that old man is dead, the old man is dead. You are a new creation in Christ. Behold, all things have become new and all things are of God. The old man is dead. That man is dead. I know one minister who went as far to say that somebody had, had asked him about that. You know, hey, didn't I, didn't I remember you at the clubs? You look familiar. And he said, I, I know exactly who you're talking about. And I know for a fact that that man is dead. Wow, he did. Next section of scripture is verses eight through 10. For by grace, you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That word grace in chapter or in verse eight, it says, for by grace, that's God's power, God's ability, God's favor. For by God's power, ability, and favor, you have been saved. Now tell me what you had to do with that. It was God's grace. It's God's salvation. Free gift, free gift. Well, maybe I'll get to bring something here to the table because then it says, through faith. Ha, I had to have faith. Yeah, and God gave you the faith. Because it said we've all been given a measure of faith. It's all on God's part. He just invited us to the table. He invited us to the table. We are free. We have a free will. We have a free will. We can say no. But that's not God's fault. Listen to this. You are the only one that can send you to hell. You're the only one. Well, why would God send? God didn't send anyone to hell. God did everything possible to keep you out of hell. You are the only one who can send you to hell. We have to realize that we owe God absolutely everything. And if he, <laughs> you know, that, that, that seems like it would go without saying. I mean, he's God, right? <laughs> He's God. We owe him everything. Without him, nothing exists. Nothing exists. We were created in Christ Jesus. We are his workmanship. It says we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good work. Think about that. New man, born again. You are God's workmanship. God puts you together. Puts you in Christ. You're one with Christ. You're in Christ. You're a new creation. He would have to do that. Otherwise, his word wouldn't be true that said you would do the same works as Jesus and greater works than these. How would you expect to do that if he didn't make you his righteousness, if he didn't put you in Christ, right standing with God, bring you back, bring man back into connection with him so that you can come into his presence? We couldn't do that. But he has done it. All we have to do is accept it, take up the responsibility, which is take up our cross and follow him. Choose the cross and choose the Christ. I have three points here I want to go over with you for this, um, this sermon for I am saved. If you're going to say I am saved, 
you need to answer these questions. Number one is save from what? You ever heard somebody say that? Save from what? Why do I need to be saved? Save from what? You're saved. What do you save from? What do you save from? Do you know what to tell them? Do you know what you're saved from? We're saved from the wrath of God and we're saved from the works of the enemy. What's the wrath of God? The wrath of God is the justified righteous judgment of God, which is to send a sinner. God doesn't send them there. Like I said, you're the only one who can put yourself in hell. But the righteous judgment, okay, this is a legal document. It says the just shall live by faith. It also says those who violate, those who are trespasses, who have, uh, are transgressors, who trespass the law, have to face the judgment. See, Jesus came and became a curse when he hung on the tree, says he took the curse for us that we can have the blessings of life. When we enter into Christ, there's still a judgment for Christians, but it's different, much, 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 much different. <laughs> the judgment is just judging on our works, what we did, what we didn't do. If we failed to build as we should have, and we built on hay and straw and stubble, and you know, it says it's gonna, it's gonna burn up. Uh, but we'll still be saved. And if we built with, with gold and, and silver and precious stones, then it's going to remain because it's going to be tried by fire. All of our works will be tried by fire. And what remains, we can lay before our king. But if you're not saved and you go to the judgment seat, it is a judgment of condemnation. He says, I never knew you, you workers of inequity. That's the judgment that we have to that we must tell people about. Because if they don't know what they're being saved from, they belittle salvation. They belittle it. He is a righteous judge and sin cannot be in his presence. The law, the Bible, demands justice. There is no remission of sins without the shedding of blood. You didn't accept the, the, the blood of Jesus, therefore you're condemned based on the word, which is a covenant, which is the law. Jesus gave you every way out. We're also delivered and saved from the works of the enemy. The works of the enemy are bondage and they are hopelessness. The scripture tells us that without Christ, you are hopeless in this world. And I'll tell you uh, a definition of hell. Hell is the absence of the presence of life. Life himself, that's God. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Hell is the absence of the presence of life. It's eternal death because it's eternal separation from life. Saying no to Jesus is refusing to acknowledge the value of a parachute. I know of an evangelist who, who uses this illustration very successfully in leading people to the Lord. And he talks about getting on a plane and some people are offered, everybody is offered a parachute. Some people take it, some people don't, but they're all going to have to jump out of the plane. So some choose life and some choose death because they don't realize the value of a parachute. 
They don't realize the value that there will come a judgment. And if you don't have the parachute, you're not going to make it. There will come a time when you have to stand by yourself before the Lord. And there's a, there's a story I've, I've heard used before, which uh, I love this illustration of, of a lion that had caught a lamb in its mouth. And saying that we are born into sin, we are like that lamb that's caught in the lion's mouth. The life being squeezed out of us. But that that lamb has one leg that's still free. And it's his choice to bow that knee to Jesus. That is the grace of God. That is faith. Because he gave us a measure of faith to accept his salvation. He gave us that free knee. We have that knee that's free. Otherwise, we are completely helpless. But we can bow that knee. And if we will bow that knee to Jesus, he will save you. It's a beautiful picture. Beautiful picture of the salvation of God. And the, the opportunities that he gives. The, the way that he, he woos us, calls us unto himself. Number two. Saved by what? What are you saved by? I'm saved by grace through faith as paid for by the cross. He took my place. When you heard the gospel, you believed. You had faith, so you received and you made him Lord. By the cross, it's a gift. Jesus' message is that of repentance. Salvation and repentance go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. You have to embrace both and walk in both. You have to walk in the new man. When you were raised in Christ, your new creation never before existed, you're brand new, you're holy, you're righteous, you're good to go. Now you got to get your mind and your body on board. We're spirit, soul, and body. To repent means to change your thinking and change your direction. Change your thinking has to do with the mind and changing your direction with the body. So you got to get the full man, spirit, soul, and body lined up with Christ and nothing can stop you. Repentance is faith in action. Repentance is faith in action. What are you repenting from? Bad works. Going into good works, right? So you're turning direction. You're not doing those works, you're too busy doing these works. We got good works to do. We have people who need to hear the gospel. We need to choose the cross. And number three, saved for what? What are you saved for? As we said, you're saved for good works. What are those good works? Good works are continuing the life and the works of Christ. Like Brother Curry Blake, when he was here, he said, when you get saved, you know, Jesus slaps you a high five and says, tag, you're it. I did the work when I was there. I reached my generation. What are you doing? He passed the baton. He said, it's your turn now. Go get it done. I've given you everything you'll ever need. Get to work. That is our mandate. Those are the good works for us to do. Listen, you did not come into the kingdom on vacation. 
you came into the kingdom on assignment. No one joins the military to sit on the beach. You join the military to join the fight. Pick up your cross, follow after your king. What do those good works look like? Works that glorify the king. Works that others see your good deeds and praise your father in heaven. Destroying the works of the enemy. Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy. If you're going to do the same works, you will destroy the works of the enemy. You will do the same works and greater works because now you are in his you're going in his name, which means in his place, in his stead, in his authority, in his power. All power and authority has been given unto him. All power and authority. All. In heaven and earth. All power and authority is given unto him. And you are in him. You are in Christ. You have it at your disposal. Now the word says, when it talks about us reaching the lost, yeah, it's great for you to be saved. That's what we want. It's great for me to be saved. That's what I want. But what about them? What about those that we need to reach today? I know uh, uh, of an evangelist who said that going into villages that have never heard the, the gospel before. And he said he would preach it. The miraculous would happen. People would be saved. Everybody would be joyful. And then they'd say, come with us. And they would take him out to the graveyard and say, we've accepted your God. We're thankful for the message. But what about them? What about our ancestors? They didn't know about your God. And he said, there's nothing I could do but cry and say, I couldn't get here any faster. I'm responsible for this generation of souls. This generation of Christians is responsible for this generation of souls. You know, a lot of times we're, well, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not ready. I, I can't do that. I have, a, you know, I've got, to... I'm sure you got problems, <laughs> but you've got Jesus. And Jesus is the problem solver. We don't have any excuse. We don't have any excuse. In scripture, Jesus is always concerned about the readiness of the harvest. But we tend to be all wrapped up in the readiness of the laborers. He doesn't focus on the readiness of the laborer. They're saved. He says, go. You're saved. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. Are you ever ready? We have to go and do. This world is waiting on us. It's waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God waiting for us to stand. You know, it, it, it even says that we will, we're going to teach uh, the spiritual realm, the glory of God through our works. Because, <laughs> I mean, just imagine them looking at us, and, you know, saying, what? This is what God had in mind. 
He was going to put his spirit in man and man was going to rule and reign. This is amazing. Absolutely amazing. Praise team, please get in place. I want to ask you a question today. And that question that I want to end with is, what is your salvation story? What's your salvation experience? When were you saved? When did your eternal life begin? When did your eternal life begin? That's right. You can live in the kingdom here and now. We're in Christ now. We don't need healed in heaven. There's no sickness in heaven. We don't need to go preach the gospel in heaven. They've already heard it or they wouldn't be there. All of these are for now. They're for now. A friend of mine had told me a story that she had uh, encountered a young man, was talking to him. Turns out he was a minister. And she, she asked him about his salvation story. And he said, I don't have one. I, I was always saved. Well, no, you weren't. We were all born into sin and we have to repent and choose the cross. We must be born again. There's only one name by which we must call upon to be saved. That's the name of Jesus. And he said, no, 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 you don't understand. I was born into a Christian family. I was raised in a Christian home. I've always been a Christian. You can't ask somebody, are you a Christian? Because they might lie to you. Ask them about their salvation story. Ask them about their salvation experience. What's your salvation story? When were you born again? I want you to ask yourself that question today. If you don't have a moment, now if you don't know the exact time and the exact date, I'm not worried about that. But if you don't have a moment that your life was pulled out of the darkness and brought into his glorious light, then you're not saved. Do you know your birthday? Do you know your born again day? What is the day that he pulled you out of the miry clay? He set your feet up on the rock. What is that day? Not only I want you to ask yourself that, but as you leave here, every opportunity that's available to you, I want you to ask others that. Hey, I want to know, you've never told me your salvation story. What, when were you born again? You must be born again. You must be born again. It's so powerful in scripture. It doesn't even say today is the day of salvation. It says now is the day of salvation. You see the urgency? Now is the day of salvation. In the scripture in uh, 2 Corinthians 5.20, in the Weiss translation of the New Testament, it calls us to beg people to be saved. Beg them to be saved. This is what it says. Therefore, on behalf of Christ and in his place, we are acting as his ambassadors. As though God were saying, I beg you, please, through us as intermediate agents, we beg you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God at once. Wow, 
the urgency of the call, the readiness of the harvest. I can't reach them all. You can't reach them all. It's gonna take all of us. You know, when we think about serving and we think about serving at the church, this, this is where you put on your training wheels. This is your initiation to service. You get to serve in here. You get to serve other people. You get to serve in the body of Christ. But that's just the start. Serving out there. That's the real mission field. This is to teach you how. This is to get your heart in the right position where God can use you. When you get out there, that's where the work starts. That's where you're going to have to come up against persecution. That's when you're going to have to face the things that will come against you. Because persecution is promised to those who follow Christ. It'll happen. That's why in here, it's the, it's the safe zone. In here is where you, like I said, you get your training wheels on and you ride around the church. And we say, yeah, you go. I love to see you serving. This is awesome. We're preparing you for what you're going to do out there. We're preparing you for the harvest. In Luke 14, 23, it says to compel them to come in. It says, then the master said to the servant, go into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Compel them. You've got to be saved. You've got to be saved. You say, yeah, well, I've tried that. I've, I've told people about Jesus. Okay, this, this is what it looks like. What if I tell them about Jesus? And then you tell them about Jesus. And then you tell them about Jesus. And then you tell them. 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 They're going to get the message sooner or later. It's not every now and then they hear about Jesus. It's constantly everywhere they go. Hey, can I pray for you? Hey, what's your salvation story? Hey, when were you born again? Have you ever been told the gospel? Do you know Jesus? A, a guy, I've just read a, a post from a guy who, uh, he said he was at a dentist office and uh, he said there was a large um, Hispanic man sitting there beside him and he just started talking to him about the gospel. And he said, I'm just sharing the gospel with him. He said, and tears start streaming down his face. And he said, no one has ever told me this before. We act like everybody knows. They don't know. They don't know. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. If you'll all stand. I hope you've had time to think about your salvation story. If you don't have a day that you know your eternal life began, now is the day. Today is the time. I want the compass coordinators to come up front. And if you're here today and you don't have a salvation story, you say, now I'm not trying to, to, to question your salvation. If you were saved, if you came from darkness to light, you know it. But if you're here today and you say, I don't know that I ever made that decision. I don't have a day that I can say that's when it was. If you don't have a day you can stand on, it's easy to fall. Remember the, the, the quote about the man carrying the cross outside of town? He's not coming back. If you truly choose that cross, you know when you chose that cross. If that's you today and you don't know your salvation story, you don't have a salvation experience, at the count of three, I want you to come down 
to these compass coordinators and they will help you so that you have a born again day. A day you can always go back to and say, no devil, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. On the count of three, one, two, three. Come to this altar. If you do not know Jesus, today is the day. Now is the day of salvation. If the prayer team will come up as well, if there's anyone here that needs anything, spirit, soul, or body, if you are here today and you need something from the Lord, the gospel says all things are possible to those who believe. So tell me what's excluded from all things. What is it that you say, man, I, I just can't get that from the Lord. Why not? He said all things are possible for those who believe. Luke 18, chapter, or chapter 18 and verse 8 says, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Will he really find somebody who believes his promises, who says, no, I won't take no for an answer. God said I can have it and I'm going to get it. I don't care how long. I don't care what it looks like. I walk by faith and not by sight and I will receive my promise. If that's you today, you get to the altar during this last song. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.